Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Oh, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCormick. You can find me on Instagram at McCormick, and you can find links to previous episodes, discount codes, and what information on what I do as a life coach and performance coach at seanmccormick.com. I'm consolidating a bunch of stuff, but uh, uh, I appreciate you for coming. On today's episode, we're joined by Brody Sharp, and he is the host of Run Smarter. Uh, It's a podcast dedicated to, you got it, running, running smarter. And what I really wanted to do is do an episode that would sort of demystify and debunk the running experience. Because if you're someone who is looking for options for exercise and your gym's not open and you just need to like get moving and you've always wanted to run, but you just haven't started, this is the episode for you. In this episode, we talk about why it's important to start running slowly, uh, how to start to develop a running regimen. We talk about why running is a good idea. We talk about why you shouldn't stretch or foam roll or massage your muscles hard. We talk just sort of debunking these sort of general therapeutic modalities that apparently don't have very much science to support them. We talk about Uh, if you have never run before, how you can begin your running practice. We talk about finding your adaptation sweet spot, running suggestions for new runners, common running injuries, and debunking running's connection with osteoarthritis. We talk about misconceptions, about just a whole bunch of different things. I really enjoyed this episode with Brody uh, because he knows his stuff. He is a physiotherapist in Australia and he lives and breathes running all day long, but he's also not so much of an advocate that he's, you know, drank too much of the running Kool-Aid and just like, everybody should run. You should do it. You know, go, you know, go hard, man. It's not like that. It's really practical. And I really liked his delivery. And so I just want to say thank, thank you, Brody, for coming on the Optimal Performance Podcast because you were a great guest and and I actually was on his podcast as well. If you want to go hear some of my thoughts on biohacking and recovery and um, um, and that sort of thing, you can go listen to Run Smarter Podcast. Um, you can find the links in the show notes. Um, before we jump into this episode, I just want to say thank you to our newest sponsor, which is Element. Element is a really incredible electrolyte drink mix. It's sugar-free, it's keto-friendly, and the fact of the matter is, is that we we somewhere in the last, you know, 10 years decided that sodium is bad for us and you shouldn't have too much sodium because it's bad for your heart, whatever. Well, the fact of the matter is you do need sodium. You need electrolytes if you want to perform at a high level. And if you especially are paleo or keto and you have been like that for a while, if you have headaches or cramping or hunger or grumpiness, then it's probably associated with the fact that you have an electrolyte imbalance. There is also some science that supports if you are waking up to go pee-pee in the evening time, if you're waking up and getting out of bed to go use the bathroom, there is a very good chance that you have an electrolyte imbalance. That alone is a good enough idea to go check out element that's drink lmnt.com 
forward slash OP, and they'll give you a sample pack of eight different element drink packets for five bucks. All you got to do is pay for shipping. Uh, I like to take element in my water bottle when I'm cruising around, um, especially when I'm going on hikes with my family that we do, you know, two or three times a week. It uh, helps me feel more focused and more alert. You know, there's a feeling that you get when you get your thirst quenched, and that's what this gives you. And it also settles your gut a little bit. For me, it just like makes you feel kind of whole again. And uh, apparently that's from the fact that you're getting all these electrolytes that you didn't get before. Um, other sports drinks are packed with sugar and chemicals. And I just, I haven't drank that stuff in a long, long time because it's terrible for you. So, you know, I trust Rob Wolf. I trust well, Rob, Rob Wolf and his team have created this amazing, um, this amazing product. And I love it. So go to drink element. That's drink forward slash OP. And they'll give you a sample pack of eight just for five bucks for shipping in the U S all right, everybody. I'm super excited to bring this episode to you without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Brody Sharp. And we're here with Brody Sharp. He's a physiotherapist and host of Run Smarter Podcast. Brody, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks, John. Uh, happy to be on. Looking forward to it. I would love to hear um, why running is why running is a good idea. Why why pounding the pavement in a repetitive motion is is a is a good idea for for someone who who wants to 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 have high levels of fitness give me the give me the pitch on why running is a good idea try and convert you we'll see yes please <laughs> um i'd say like running maybe not be for everyone if if you don't enjoy it don't persist with it I, there's plenty of other cardio options out there but i would say when it comes to like runners do get injured. Runners get injured so, so often. And it's usually due to training errors, like doing too much too soon or like exceeding your capacity to adapt. Uh, if someone is just starting to run and they're not enjoying it, they're out of breath, they're like keeled over, hands on knees, like struggling to breathe or is getting shin splints or getting like foot pain. In most cases, they've probably just started off going too fast, doing too much too soon, or not integrating enough of like a, a slow adaptation process. If there's, <clears throat> let's just say if someone started to run, they're like, okay, I want to fully commit just to see if I'm into it. Let's just see, maybe I catch the bug, bug maybe not. They start running three times a week and they, they're just like totally exhausted the whole entire time mistakes that they make is one they're probably running too fast because they think they want to get that workout especially those who are gym goers and used to feeling the burn or like really putting in intense workouts you're going to be pounding the pavement way too much and with too much force that your body isn't used to and then it starts breaking down it usually takes probably about four to six weeks sometimes more before runners actually learn to start running slow and realize the benefits of running slow because it is a patient process. The body does tremendous things with adapting to the load that you put it through, but you need that patience and you need that the sometimes correct guidance in order to adapt and build up. So that's when people usually catch the bug, when they adapt enough that they can reach like a steady state of running where it doesn't feel like they're constantly like constantly out of breath or their legs are burning i know when i first started running after every single run my calves were just so tight they were like rocks and they were burning for two days afterwards but i recognized to run slow i recognized to walk run a lot of the time 
And then just as the months went on, I achieved this steady state where I could run continuously at a slow pace, but I could just keep going. I didn't feel like I was getting tired. I didn't feel like my legs were burning and my calves weren't as tight or sore afterwards because my body just adapted and I didn't get to this point where I developed an injury. Well, I've developed heaps of injuries since, but I didn't get to the point where I was discouraged because my body was breaking down. I was actually getting encouraged because my body was adapting and building up Mm. to the environment that I put it through. And so much can be said for gym goers and if someone started CrossFit and then started, say, doing cleans and started getting shoulder pain, they're like, no, nah, it's not for me. Well, you probably need to work on technique. You probably need to start a lot lighter. You probably need to address position. You probably need to slowly build yourself up in order to um, adapt to the process. I know when I started CrossFit, I had shoulder pain for the first couple of weeks just because of the positions they were in. And all it took was a bit of me getting used to being in those positions and then I was totally fine. Mm. Um, the same can be said for anything that you try. Uh, if you have a history of tendon issues or foot issues or Osgood Slatter's disease mm. and all these sort of things, then we do need to tailor your introductory into running a little bit differently. Perhaps we um, go with some different shoes mm. or go with um, certain terrain. We make sure that you don't increase your speed. We make sure that we're taking your time with running up hills, but that's when it, kind of gets into the really nitty-gritty if you do need that tailored advice but for most runners or those who want to start running it's all about starting slow trusting the process making sure you do some walk runs if you're not used to running too much and just learning to slow down and not just um do this huge intense pounding the pavement every step that you take Hmm. yeah is that a common thing that people feel like i'm not getting a good enough workout at this slower running pace, I just need to pick it up and then that's where things get hairy. Yeah. And when it comes to 80% of the injuries that are developed from a, from running related injuries, it's due to training errors. It's due, due to doing too much too soon, running too fast too soon, or having like a drastic change in your training, like a drastic change in shoes or a drastic change in terrain or an under recovery component, um, either overtraining or under recovery and kind of, mm. um, the imbalance of that equation. But I have runners talk to me being like, when I first started running, I believed that I needed to hit the ground harder because that's what, what running is. It's what it's where the benefits of running come in. I'm not a runner if I'm not hitting the pavement harder. And if I know anything about running injuries, it's the total opposite. We want to try and avoid that hard footfall. And if you are wanting a more intense workout and they feel like you know running running slow just isn't doing it for me um perhaps once you build up a nice base where you've got a really nice foundation that's when you can start implementing higher intense sessions so people do say um hill repeats some people do this interval training where they're walking for a couple of minutes or doing a slow run Mm -hmm. for a couple of minutes but then doing 30 seconds to 60 seconds of intense running like kind of close to a sprint and then backing off again, doing repeats of that. Um, Others tend to try like a, they push themselves for like a time trial. So they'll say, let's see how far I can get in 20 minutes or let's see what my 5K PB can be. Let's see what my half marathon PB can be. But you do need a really strong base. You need a foundation fitness before you can start tackling any of those. Your body needs to get used to those speeds and those, um, you know, generating those loads in order to not break down. 
Yeah. It sounds confusing to me. It sounds like there's so many different things. There's so many different vari- variables. You know, we you just you just rattled off, you know, eight different things that you need to consider as you're as you're in you know introducing yourself or perhaps reintroducing yourself to a to a you know to a running um practice and we're talking about shoes we're talking about inclines and declines foot striking um you know distance speed all these things um it and and as i'm using my friend as an example you know, he was really diligent about trying to go slow and start slow and, and do it the right way so that he could do it for a while. And sure enough, like developed a knee injury that kind of sidelined him. And so what are some ways that people can start slow and like, because what what doesn't elude me, what is obvious to me is like lifting heavy things is good for you, Right. Lifting heavy things is just, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's an evolutionary adaptation. Walking long distances at slow paces we know is really good for our bodies. And, you know, if we were chasing an antelope or we had to, you know, run after a caribou or run away from a warring tribe, we needed to be able to run effectively and, and have, and, um, and carry it. So from that aspect, it seems to me like it is a reasonable and logical thing to be good at, to be interested in, because it's part of the way that our bodies were, were had, had developed. But where do you start for somebody who's in relatively decent shape, or maybe even somebody that's, 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 um, that's not in great shape, but wants to get running? What's the first couple of things that they should do? Yeah, good question. Um, and it can be complicated, but it can also be very simple. Like I, I throw together a few variables that may complicate it a lot. And that's why the Run Smarter podcast was born, because I did recognize when I was seeing runners in my clinic that I was constantly educating them on a lot of concepts and recognize there was a lot of misconceptions and a lot of just confusion around running, how to run, how to run smarter. So that's why the the birth of the podcast was there. But it can be very simple. Uh, it can. There are apps out there and like training programs that can make things extremely simple. If you're not a runner um, and you want to start with basics, there's some. There's several apps out there. The Couch to 5K app is a very common one that people often use, and it starts off with some very simple questions. It'd be like, okay, what's your previous experience as a runner? Um, what's your previous injury um like history and just getting a a couple of baseline characteristics about you and then once it starts to learn more about you it gives you a starting point like your first run this is what you need to do and a lot of it is walk run to start with and it's very low amounts but you just follow this audio guided program that says okay now it's time to run and then you keep running okay now it's time to walk and then you just follow that Mm. um with I think there's a few like intensity cues in there to like it'd be like oh make sure that um, you can still whistle or make sure you can still talk to the person next to you comfortably or make sure uh, just yeah a few of those intensity cues to make sure you're not overdoing it but then you go the next day and it tells you to do a little bit more and then you go the next day it tells you a little bit more mm-hmm. and then it gives you a rest day and then um, you're just essentially just following that and you're just adapting as you're um, following that program. So if you really wanted to simplify it, if you really wanted to just start somewhere, that would be my best guidance. Uh, if someone wants to create something on their own, then just start off with a 
what I call the embarrassingly slow pace or the embarrassingly slow distance and then just build up from there. Mm. Make sure that you're not overdoing it within your sessions. You're fairly recovered because you can run, if it's at a low intensity, you can run four times a week and you should be able to negotiate that. However, what people tend to do is overdo things or want to get a workout and they run for 30 minutes they're feeling exhausted the next day or the next couple of days their legs are quite sore and they're just recovering for two or three days and they can only run twice a week because the body needs time to recover whereas if you take this low intensity approach and you're still hitting your adaptation zone you're hitting your adaptation zone more times throughout the Mm. week therefore you're adapting and getting stronger quicker Is that, is that the way, is that your favorite way or is that the best way is to like go start slow and then hit that adaptation phase where you can actually go three or four times a week and then you're slowly making changes and getting your body used to it without pushing too hard? Yeah, this is episode one and episode two of my podcast. Episode <laughs> one is explaining the adaptation phase nice. and the, the different zones of you want to hit that adaptation sweet spot. And episode two is you want to try and hit that sweet spot as often as you can throughout the week that doesn't exceed any um, adaptation capacity. Because if you exceed that, then the body starts breaking down rather than building up. Mm. And so um, it's a, it, to answer your question, it's like the safest approach. It's, um, it's my favorite approach if someone is new to running. Um, and it is the safer approach because you're choosing the lower intensity approach um, to build up. Like you want to build up a nice foundation, like we said before, before you start any doing any intense work. If you're a gym goer and you've been doing gym three times a week for the last 12 months, you're going to have like some strength there. You're going to have a really nice baseline, but you're still not going to um, like you'll adapt really quickly, but you might not have the aerobic um adaptation like i grew up playing basketball i grew up like it's short sprints and jumping and landing and like the defense stance like quick reaction pivoting that sort of um thing so i was quite fit and then i went to endurance running where i thought i was very very strong but my calves my achilles weren't used to the continuous like long duration running it was used to short sprinting jumping landing Um, and so that's why they got really tight and really sore when I first Mm. became a runner and I was strong and I didn't get injured because I had a good baseline, but my body did still need time to adapt. So if you do something different, it's going to be, you should know as like a gym goer, if you're used to doing like squats, cleans, deads, um, lunges, you're totally fine. But then if you go to do something else, like if you do box jumps or like split squats or something that's slightly different to what you're used to. You're going to start feeling sore. You're going to have a different level of soreness. And it's not that um, you're weak. It's just that you're doing something different. So um, runners, if you do start running, you do need to bear that in mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good explanation on that. What what kind of people are, what kind of physiques, what sort of attitudes, what sort of... Um, you know, level of tenacity, like who give us, give us an idea of who might be a good candidate for, um, making running like a, uh, a big part of their life. Uh, interesting, uh, self-motivated people. <laughs> um, they like, I say I work with runners all the time, so I understand their personality traits. They are very driven, very self-motivated, very goal orientated. They love just running a 5k, seeing they can do that, then challenging themselves to a 10k, seeing they can do that, then challenge themselves to a half marathon, full marathon, ultra, and then they just go beyond and they just keep pushing themselves. They're um, 
that some of them strive for that achievement of like if there's a medal at the end, some people just love collecting medals and that's, you know, um, attributing that. Personality-wise, um, very stubborn. And this is why so many runners do get injured as well. Mm. Um, when they catch the bug um, of running and then they get injured, they just keep running. They keep running through injuries. They um, often ignore a lot of these pain signals and it develops into something so much worse. But trying to prevent them from running i see cyclists as well cyclists are the same you tell them to stop cycling and they're just going to keep cycling um but it's just like a yeah a stubborn self-motivated driven personality which can be very good has like a lot of positive attributes because you know you have you're completing these achievements that you're setting for yourself you're giving yourself a marathon goal you're giving yourself a, a marathon pb like under four hours or under three hours and you're setting up this structure and you're setting up this plan and you're working your way towards that. There's tremendous positive benefits, but then there's also these negative, you could say, um, attributes, the same thing, like that same competitiveness, that same drive can slowly lead you to over pushing yourself can lead you to when you are injured, continuously, um, overdoing it and re injuring that returning to running too soon. If you are injured and need time off, or just like grinding yourself into the ground and yeah, linking that to um, once they are injured and not running, it's it has that attachment of feeling mm. like really anxious and really jittery and really wanting to get back. And so mm. um, there's positives and negatives to that same thing. And in fact, I just um, did a blog last week on my social media around the link between personality traits and injury and how there's mm. um, a very strong correlation between this highly competitiveness, um, this drive for like this competitive strivings and the link between that and developing an injury in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I totally see it. Right. You know, what drives you to, to excel in running is also what drives you to run too much or too hard or too soon or too fast or too often. Yeah. Right. I, I, I totally get that. Um, I totally get that. Uh, I'll, I'll share a bit as well. Like with that, um, there was an article that came out and they did a whole bunch of um, personality questionnaires where they separated perfectionism into perfectionistic strivings, like those who strive for competitive like attributes and those who have this perfectionistic concerns, like the concerns around perfectionism, like letting down your teammates or um, not performing to their own standards and having like a, a concern around that. They found that those who have this, who who rank highly in these perfectionism concerns throughout the questionnaires, they had a 17 times more likely um, likelihood of getting injured. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, I totally get it. And and I think also, you know, just from basically from what what I've seen, I'm thinking about my friend groups and the the people that I know that are that are avid runners that love running. Um, some of them sort of developed that focus, tenacity, stick to uh, over time. They didn't have it before, but they found running as a way to like express that, that portion, that, that aspect of themselves. And that's super inspiring. You know, it's, it's, um, it's cool because you can see them develop a, a new, uh, way of being and, and of, and of expressing themselves in the, in the world physically and, you know, I think for most of us that have that have run 
that have had one successful run where they didn't get hurt and they got that runner's high. They got that dopamine and endorphin rush where it was like, oh, God, this is it. This is why I do this. This feels good. You know, I'm, I'm spacing out. Maybe it's the right music or whatever that they sort of lock into and, and they just feel like a million bucks. I think for some, like maybe you can answer this, like is, is for some, are people like chasing that feeling? Is is that is that sometimes part of the reason why they keep going back to it because they want that high? Um, potentially like it is what uh, consciously or unconsciously is what gets them coming back. I, I don't think um, it does take a bit of time. Like I said, once you adapt and kind of get into this steady state, you're fit enough to get into the steady state of running uh, and not feel like you need to stop, take a, a take a breath or stop the legs burning. I think that's when the runner's high is created. So it does take it like, you know, this six to eight weeks of um, running to experience that. Um, in my experience, I think it's just being out in nature, getting exercise, like getting some fresh air and feeling like you're, you're really – in a positive mindset, like you're doing something really positive and it's, I guess it's what people kind of consider. And a lot of people read about this runner's high and when they feel good running, they kind of say, this must be it. You know, it's, it's really hard to link to any like positive attributes, but yes, you are releasing endorphins. Yes, you are releasing a lot of hormones in the body, but I think the same could be said for a lot of cardio exercises or exercises, um, or like gym competitions or something where you find a lot of passion in it and you're exercising in your passion, I think there's a link um, consciously or unconsciously to want to keep doing it and want to do it more often and um, drag your friends in, say it's the best thing ever, like I'm loving this and they catch the bug. But I see a lot of people catch the the cycling bug or like um, swimming and not a lot of swimmers. I don't hang out with a lot of swimmers. But <laughs> um, yeah, those are just examples of the combination of you're doing something that's releasing a lot of endorphins, you're loving it and you're contributing to positive health. And yeah, yeah, um, it just, it's the story from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I get the, especially now with, with us, you know, feeling increasingly isolated, um, you know, maybe your gym's closed and, and you don't have exercise equipment home. You don't have a treadmill inside. You don't, maybe you don't have a stationary bike. You know, you don't want to spend the the thousands of dollars for a Peloton, you know, system. You can you, you probably have a decent pair of shoes and a sweatshirt and a pair of shorts, and you can just piss, you need. piss off, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> yep. just piss off. And so I I get that, and I and I think that for a lot of people, it's it's um it's a good idea because you are out in nature, you are opening up your lungs, you are getting out of the house and doing something for you you know, and listen to, listening to your favorite gangster rap uh, and just like mo- keeping those legs moving. Um, so I, I do get it and I, I get the draw. Okay, so here's where, here's, where I, here's where I get all, here's where I get critical. <laughs> Hit me. I, I don't know of that many runners that are regular runners that are like super fit people. And, and, and that, let me say that in a different way. I don't know that many runners that are like, that have great physiques. They may have the strong legs, you know, they may have, uh, you know, tighter butt, which is awesome. But what I know in my own research, you know, talking to CrossFitters and, you know, my exercise routine is fairly unique. It's a, it's a 10 minute workout. It's a band workout. 
Um, and I've done I've done episodes with uh, with the with the creator, uh, Dr. John Jaquish of the X Three Bar, and he wrote a book called uh, "Weightlifting is a is a waste of time, so is cardio," and and it, and it ta- and it points to certain scientific studies that say like you hold on to fat when you run, and so the of of the people that I know that are are, are avid runners and and please don't take this personally, but I I, get, I did give you fear warning. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I've seen a lot of runners that love to run that are soft in the middle, that are that are kind of skinny fat or or you know you know uh, same with cyclists. I mean how many how many tight you know tight midsections, you know, big giant muscly legs on a, on a, on a cycle, but like stuffed into a, into like a sausage into the spandex. Cause they're, they're thick in the middle. And so my thought is, well, I, as, as a, a, you know, host of a biohacking podcast and someone, I want to live a long time. I want to have a lot of lean muscle mass. I want to look good naked. I want to work out and get the most from the least. And, and the criticism is like, is, is how does that happen? Like, can convince me otherwise that that running can can turn can turn anyone into sort of a um, someone who's who's not gonna their abs aren't necessarily gonna show. You know, they're gonna they're gonna hang on to fat because they're in you know they're in a state of they're in a state of exercise that like that holds on to that. Yeah. Cool. So I guess it depends on your definition of physique and fitness, because like we said, the body will adapt and transform into whatever you're putting it through. Um, that being exercise and that being diet as well, like the combination of the two or, and several other factors. But, um, if you are wanting to run and only run, your body is going to adapt to becoming a, a runner. And that doesn't require lifting a lot of weights. It doesn't require getting a six pack. It does require like you will not necessarily lose a lot of weight. I know a lot of people who train for a marathon and they put on weight because they justify eating a whole bunch of stuff. And they say, yeah, I've done a, I've just ran two Ks. I deserve that cake, chips and biscuits. Um, it's not like it depends on the what you adapt to depends on what you put your conditions through and you won't get like strong muscles you won't get abs if you just do running um i do recommend if people want to improve running once they are um once they have a really nice baseline and they're they're really like their cardio fitness is quite nice and they want to improve their running you do need to start doing some strength training. That's all the evidence is points towards strength training to become a better runner. And that's not just doing body weight, high reps. That's doing like your eight to 10 rep max, you know, deadlifts, squats, lunges, calf raises. And um, to answer your question, whether like the runners, are the soft through the middle, they're skinny, they're kind of like this skinny fat. Um, if you want your body to be skinny fat, then that's what's going to do. If you are well, nobody, a runner. Well, nobody wants their bodies to be skinny fat, but I'm, but I'm saying people that like, become really into running and that becomes their thing that, 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 that often that I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of class, but it just seems like that happens more frequently. I would say yes for the recreational runner who doesn't want to be disciplined in their nutrition, mm-hmm. um, who doesn't want to be, who wants to run and only run and just doesn't want to partake in any other form of cross training or gym or, um, strength training, then yes, they will, they will become this like skinny fat person who is a bit flabby in the middle and they are like aerobically quite fit. They can run and they can run far and they can run for a really good amount because that's what their body's adapted to. Um, But in terms of longevity, in terms of like a healthy lifestyle, 
running might not be the answer. It's not like the be all and end all. And I don't advocate just running is the answer for everyone um, because you can easily become a good runner and become like an endurance runner, but still be unhealthy in other aspects. Right. And that might be with strength and that might be with their physique and that might be with um, their nutrition and what's going on internally in their organs rather than mm. um, like what they're seeing on the outside. And they might justify themselves. They'd be like, no, but I'm a runner. I'm lean. Um, all I need to do is run because I know that's the the answer for longevity, but the that's not the clear case. And I'm always a, an advocate for cross-training and throwing different things at your body, making sure you're a resilient runner. I always talk about resilience being you want to try and throw different variables at someone hmm. and they not break down because you have trained enough with enough variety. Um, I do run. I do also um, triathlons. So I do swim. I do cycle. I strength train three times a week. I have done um, CrossFit like several months and I just like being resilient. I like people throwing different things at me and me not breaking down because that's the, that's how I see fitness and that's how I yeah. try and approach life. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm we're agreeing in the way that we don't yeah. think running is the answer. Um, so I, I guess we're not going to have a heated debate around that. No, that's cool. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, and I and I, I'm not I'm not hanging to any expectation. Um, but you know, you're the guy. I've got I've, maybe I've got. People are saying it's like, dude, Sean's got baggage around you running, man. <laughs> but this is this is helpful. You know, when you talk about um, variability uh, and being resilient, um, does that mean for a runner like running on different surfaces? Does that mean um, running with inclines and declines? Does that mean running run like slow and fast? And where are you on like barefoot running? Okay, a um, couple of things there. Yes, resilience. There'd be different things depending on what you want to do. Let's just say as a runner, if you wanted to run a marathon um, where all the marathons are on road um, and you wanted to get really good at that, then you might want to just adapt to that. However, if you want to be a more well-rounded runner, uh, you're definitely going to have to do different things. Uh, trail running is a big um, a big variation in the sport. Some people love trail running, especially once they get into ultras, and that requires being uphill, downhill, different terrains, rocks, hurtling over trees, going around corners at quite a fast um, speed. So you're changing direction. You're using your muscles differently. You have to sometimes have these like slow endurance stretches, whereas other stretches they're like a, a sprint up a hill. Um, that is like if you want to be that type of runner, then you can run marathons and you can also do trail runs and you can also do short sprinty things and um that's where i prefer that's where like i if you're wanting to reduce your risk of injury and you're wanting to work on like honing on injury prevention just adapting to different environments is the way to go if you wanted to try different shoes you might adapt to those different shoes i have um some runners uh, do we record this or is it just audio only no it's, I, it's video too yeah you're gonna bust out oh, some of your let shoes. me show you my shoe yeah so most people talk about running support and like having this, um, making sure the, like this is the shoe I have. It's what we call a zero drop shoe. So uh -huh. there's no there's no um, height between the the heel and the toes. And this is quite flimsy. Like I can just yeah, look at that fold thing. that up like that. Yeah. And it can bend quite easily. And like um, this is what we call like a minimalist shoe. Right. And so 
almost essentially very, very little support in this, but I do the bulk of my running in that because it's quite light hmm. and um, I just feel great. And my body, my feet, my Achilles have all adapted to being strong enough to being in those shoes. Um, and so other times if I want to rest my feet or rest my calves, but still want to go for a run, I'd wear my other traditional kind of running shoes that have offer a little bit more support, have a little bit more of a heel drop. And there's, I guess, um, less demand for the calf to and Achilles to work in those shoes. And so I've adapted to different types of shoes. And so that's making me more resilient that way as well. Sure. Um, I guess if you were to um, say, just say for like CrossFit workouts, when they just write a workout on the board and it's a whole bunch of different things and something you might not be used to, some you are used to, you're just like being prepared for expecting the unexpected and like preparing for variety um it's kind of like that and it and you're less likely to break down if you get kept through all these different elements at yourself and you keep like yeah adapting to those different elements um so yeah there's that definition of resilient whether a runner wants to hone in on all that resilience or whether they just want to do those road races and just do the marathon distance and they don't want to deviate from any of that, then you can adapt to that and they want to run in the same runners. You can adapt to that and um, still not get injured, but you just not you just need to make sure that if you do deviate, you want to make sure that it's very gradual and very slow. Mm. But um, that's what I would say. Yeah. And then you also comment on barefoot running. I don't recommend barefoot running. Um, I run very close to barefoot um, with those shoes that I do wear. Yeah. But um, actual barefoot running, well, I don't recommend. You know, well, and and yeah, barefoot, barefoot, no. But like maybe like those five finger shoes, or you sure. know, you've seen Rich Roll run in those like like looks like flip flop sandal jobbies. Yep. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Um, so the concept of barefoot running, yes, um, I don't recommend it for most runners. I do think if you want to try it, um, you need to be very, very strong to do it. You need your feet to be extremely strong. You need your calves, Achilles to be extremely strong. Um, those type of five fingers, um, they're essentially just there to mimic barefoot running, but there is essentially just a fabric sole layer just to protect you from abrasions and scrapes and um, the harshness of the ground. You, it will hurt if you step on like a stone or if you step on um, like a, a twig or something, but you just won't get scraped and bruised and blistered. Um, mm -hmm. So if you did want to do that, um, it's it's not going to reduce your risk of injury if you do have bare feet, if you do this barefoot running. It's not going to necessarily increase your performance. Um, you will adapt like a slowly different type of stride. Um, there was a book that came out, Born to Run, which was a heavy advocate for barefoot running, and it had a whole bunch of studies and had a whole bunch of um, advocates and professionals talking about the benefits of barefoot running. But there, it doesn't stack up when you consider all the available evidence that is out there. There's a little bit of cherry picking going on. Um, and I trust that a runner... Like if they wanted to become a barefoot runner, they can do it. If they if they want to do it and thrive in it, you can do it. But it's convincing yourself of what it's actually achieving. You're not reducing your risk of injury. You're not increasing your running performance. Um, so just be mindful of that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, what's one? What's what's the most? Com oh, this is more more criticisms. Thank you for indulging me. 
Um, what's the most common injury associated with running? I would usually see, like science would say, the most uh, affected joint is the knee. It's a really, like if I was any joint in the body, I wouldn't want to be the knee. It's like really unfortunate that <laughs> you've got this hip and you've got this foot. The foot makes contact with the ground, influenced by the ground. The hip is where most of like the force is generated. And the knee meets in the middle and kind of is amplified. The force that is generated through the knee is amplified by what's happening at those two factors. Mm. And it just cops a lot of load. It cops a lot of the brunt and the... um like if there's any spike in load, usually um, the knee is the first one to, to cop it, which is, yeah, just unfortunate. But uh, the ones that I see, the ones that I tend to see um, in my clinic would be what we call this proximal hamstring tendinopathy, which is like a, um, a condition where the, the tendon very high up on the hamstring, so almost on the sitting bone where it attaches on the sitting bone, that gets affected. And also plantar fasciitis are the two main mm. ones that I see with online physio because they persist if you mismanage it it doesn't get better on its own and so mm -hmm. people have this for months several months sometimes years and they're so frustrated and that's usually when they come to me for like advice they're like they've tried everything and then they um they're like brody what can we do yeah so they're the two conditions i mainly see but if you look at the research and say and they have a look at prevalence studies and what is most affected usually it's the knee got it okay yeah yeah, that's that's what I've seen mostly with, not not just in my in my soccer career and soccer life, but but with the runners, with adult runners, you know, grown grown men who um, enjoy it, love it, do it a lot, um, you know, are cognizant of nutrition, um, but this uh, it just seems like a matter of time before they develop it, and you know, they would probably benefit from resting more. They would probably benefit from going slower. They, you know, like all these, yeah. all, the, all these things that you're suggesting. Um, I should clarify as well, yeah. when I'm talking about knee pain, like the most common condition around the knee is usually what we call patellofemoral pain, which could be, um, I guess, loosely described as kneecap pain, like pain around the kneecap. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely not talking about any <clears throat> osteoarthritic changes like osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, those sort of things. That's definitely not common in runners. Um, it's actually least the least prevalent condition um, compared to like a sedentary individual. Those who right. don't exercise actually get, they're three times more likely to get um, osteoarthritis in their knees, whereas uh, recreational runners actually are more resilient with getting that sort of condition. But sure. Um, yeah, things like ITB friction syndrome, things like patellofemoral pain, um, they're quite common and they're just mainly affected around the knee, which is just doing too much too soon. Yeah, right. What what's what's a what's a running myth that that that's really popular that's wrong? What 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 do people think about running? What are their criticisms about running, or what are their assumptions about running that that are really common that just are BS? Yeah, I guess the um, I guess following the same lines would be like the prevalence of osteoarthritis because they think um, they've been told by doctors or professionals that osteoarthritis is due to wear and tear, and the um, the cause of it is due to like just doing too much to the body. And when you look at running and you look at how a runner runs, you're saying, okay, look, it's a highly repetitive action. They're contacting the ground thousands and thousands of times. 
it's ground reaction force through the body and eventually the joint is going to start breaking down it the the condition of you know the arthritis the the cartilage that's on the the ends of the bones is finite it only takes a certain amount of repetitions a certain amount of pounding the pavement before it starts to break down and that's um, what's believed and someone might go to a doctor and say look i've got re- uh, i've got knee pain i ran a marathon on the weekend and now it's just really sore and the doctor says why the hell are you running running's bad for your knees you're going to cause osteoarthritis and um, maybe you should try doing something else. Maybe you're not designed to be a runner. Maybe you're too old to be a runner. And so these beliefs get created um, within the the global consciousness, and that's what they think. They think that osteoarthritis is this really static kind of wear and tear condition when, in fact, when we look at the research, we look mm. at prevalence studies, and we look at what actually causes arthritis, we know that shock through the ground like ground reaction forces actually stimulate bone growth and actually stimulate cartilage generation and what we're actually doing as a runner like runners are usually lighter so they're looking after their weight a little bit more they're not obviously overweight obese um, which would increase the likelihood of osteoarthritis so they're lighter on their feet they're usually stronger around the knees because they've been pounding the pavement for quite a long time. So they're usually stronger around the joints and they've um, been used to hitting the ground um, and sending this shock generated force through the body and stimulating cartilage growth. Mm. And so it is, it, it, um, the cartilage itself isn't finite. It's a living growing thing like every other organ and every other muscle joint in the body. And it doesn't just break down as a continuous trend. It does rejuvenate, regenerate. And that's why we see in massive amounts of studies that look at prevalent studies of osteoarthritis, why these recreational runners are less likely to get osteoarthritis compared to, uh, say, a sedentary individual. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. You don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. I've got plenty of other misconceptions if we want to dive into them. Yeah. What's another good one? Uh, some of the most common is that people think that stretching, particularly static stretching will reduce their risk of injury or increase their running performance, which the science shows doesn't is, uh, incorrect. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of runners come to me and they say, look, I've got this knee pain. I've got this plantar fasciitis. I've had a history of hip issues and I know I don't stretch enough. Um, I know that I should be stretching more and that's why I'm getting injured. And that just doesn't, the, the evidence just doesn't show that. Um, in fact, like why I, this is one of the reasons and one of the episodes in my podcast, why I try and highlight this, this concept is because runners, a lot of runners don't like stretching and they just want to run. And so they avoid stretching. And when they're injured, they think it's because they're not stretching is why they're getting injured. When in fact, it's probably something to do within their training. It's probably something um, maybe they're doing too much too soon. Maybe they're running too often. Maybe they're under-recovering. Maybe they're not sleeping well. Maybe their nutrition is poor. And maybe they are the real reasons why they're getting injured. But they're not looking at those reasons because they think stretching is the cause. And they're not going to stretch because they don't like stretching. But they're continuously getting injured because they believe that this is true. When in fact, we look at studies and we look at... Um, if we try and correlate certain factors and we do stretching studies and we try and see, do they increase performance? Does it reduce the risk of injury? Um, the evidence just doesn't stack up. Mm, mm, good one. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I like that. Um, are you a fan of 
the are you a fan of foam rollers and rolling out the ball of your foot or those like u-shaped two-handled plastic jobbies that you run on the uh, on the top you know over the top of your leg like does that Uh, is 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 that case by case person to person exertion by exertion kind of a depends on your body i would say it is based on the individual if it feels good for them and if they feel like it's um, doing something, then go for it. Like mm. I did a whole month on recovery um, throughout December where I had all these experts on um, to talk about recovery. If I were to kind of do a blanket statement, foam rollers, um, massage balls, any sort of thing that's rolling the body doesn't do much. It doesn't do anything physically for recovery. It might do something mentally for you. Like if you're paying attention to recovery strategies, sure. then physically not doing a lot you're not increasing your blood flow you're not releasing trigger points you're not lengthening anything you're just pushing something down on your muscles and rolling it around so it hurts but you you are paying attention to that area you're probably giving it some love that placebo you're unwinding like you're mentally unwinding you're de-stressing which kind of flips a switch and turns your body into this recovery mode you're probably going to sleep a little bit better because you know you've paid attention to that area. The same can be said for massage. Like massage fits in this same component. You're not increasing blood flow when it comes to massage. You're not releasing trigger points. We don't know what it's doing a lot of times. But what we do know is it has very psychological benefits. You do feel better after a massage. Mm-hmm. You might lay down on the table with back pain and you might get up off that table feeling amazing afterwards. We don't know what it's doing physically. There's a lot of evidence to show what it's not doing. But the the real benefits, they're, they're totally real. And whether you're finally paying attention to this area, whether you're like laying down that table and it's like it feels nice to have someone like hit the, those points, it feels nice to have someone paying attention to that area, you feel like you're doing good, then you feel great when you when you um, get up off the table. There's, there's real things to be said for that. And that's if it feels good for you. If you sit down at a table, you're like, oh, God, I should be doing something else. You're constantly looking at your watch. You're like, oh, this hurts. I don't really like this. And then you're getting up not feeling much better. Don't do it. And if foam rolling, like if you have a physical or mental benefit from foam rolling, then do it. I'm not going to tell you not to. Um, Same with stretching. I'm not going to tell you not to. Uh, But, yeah, we need to be realistic around what is uh, the real benefits of recovery what why you are getting injured we need to start illuminating highlighting these points of reality what what's actually going on so that you can make smarter training decisions and reduce your risk of injury um, based on science as well yeah yeah there's a concept that's come up with with lots of different guests this idea of interoception where you know what's going on inside of your body you don't you don't need a tracker as much you don't need a, a a biometric tracker as much as you need to like listen to yourself. Like, where's the pain? Well, if you follow that pain, where does it go? What does it feel like when you make this motion? You know, when you're about to go to sleep, um, how ready are, are you to sleep? Like having this inner sense of where you're at physically and inside your body, where's the pain coming from? Um, that means more than anything else. And if you're just lamenting, if you're just in misery while you're foam rolling, you know, you're, you're hamstring out and it sucks and it hurts and you're like, no, I just got to charge through it because this is what I'm supposed to do. You're saying, don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say um, listening to your body in most cases is um, like, it's pretty good. Um, a lot of these misconceptions, however, they kind of make intuitive sense. Like there's, um, if we're talking about stretching, like 
stretching if you've got an injury and when you stretch that area it kind of feels sore but good and then mm-hmm. um you're paying attention to that area but it just doesn't really do much but you do it anyway because it feels good in the moment maybe has relief for a couple of minutes afterwards um that might lead you astray if you look week by week and see that's not getting any better but in the moment it might feel a little bit better um so Yes, listen to your body, but listen to your body in the moment, but also listen to your body day by day, listen to your body week by week, and then see what the go is there. Yeah. Um, especially like if someone has chronic pain, which is totally probably off topic to this podcast, but um, if someone has chronic pain, we probably can't listen to their body. Yeah. We probably There's like a fault in their, um, their pain signals, and so they're probably saying things are going wrong. This is our alert system when, in fact, the, it might be something completely different. So that might be a little bit of an exception to the – the internal processes of listening to the body. Yeah, good call. Yeah, good call. Well, this has been this has been interesting. Um, I, I, I I'm I'm fascinated by runners. Um, I'm inspired by runners. Um, and maybe I don't think I've convinced you to start running though. <laughs> doing anything, doing anything that consistently, and with that much commitment and devotion, and you got the gear and you got the trackers and you're like really striving for for excellence is super inspiring to me. Like I, you know, I mentioned his name before in this podcast, but Rich Roll, I just think that he's like such a cool dude. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not into vegetarianism. Uh, I'm not into veganism, but I respect the grind and he looks great. And he's, you know, he's, he's really pushed himself to the, to the limits of, of human performance. And I mean, and I am definitely interested and fascinated by that. So, um, <laughs> and there's something to be said, I think runners, um, particularly once they get to the ultra distances and particularly trail runners, I don't, that this is probably just my speculation, but they seem to be nice people. They seem to be like really friendly, like yeah. helping each other out. They seem yeah. to be like really, really nice people. Whereas cyclists, they're just like these angry, like entitled people. I don't know what it is. I'm a cyclist as well, but like they just seem to be angry all the time and <laughs> runners, trail runners, they just love a good beer. They love like just spending time out in nature and they just love encouraging people and getting people involved. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's the, maybe it's when you're, you, those cyclists aren't ever touching the ground, right? They're going to go for hours with other <laughs> feet touching the ground, but a runner, you know, they're committed yeah. to it. And especially in those shoes that you showed me, you know, if you're watching <laughs> this on YouTube, you can see just how thin those soles were. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Well, where can people where can people learn more about you? Can you give them tell them all your social handles and the podcast one more time before I ask the final question? Sure. So um, my podcast is the Run Smarter Podcast. I do highly recommend if you're interested in what we talked about today, have a listen to the the first ten episodes of that um, that podcast. It goes through the universal principles of overcoming, preventing injury, um, which we touched on some of those examples today. Um, I'm quite active on Instagram. Run Smarter Series is my handle. Um, and I, I guess we could take it there. I do offer online physiotherapy yeah. um, if people are injured. Um, breakthroughrunning.physio is my website. Um, but I highly recommend trying to learn yourself and trying to get this control and like self-educate before like going straight to a health professional to see. Like I, I really love those who... Um, come to me eventually for physio, but they've all already got the, all these concepts in place. They already understand all these concepts and misconceptions. And I, I highly advocate that being the, their approach. So head to the podcast if you're a runner and you want to learn to train smarter and, um, yeah, then see, maybe you can sort it all out yourself. I like it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so this is the final question that I ask. It's a fill in the blank question. 
um, designed specifically to catch you off guard. You can spend cool. as much time, uh, you can you can expand as little or as much as you'd like. And this can be based on anything that you know. This can be specific to running or life or whatever. Uh, but if you would fill in the blank, everyone would benefit from knowing. That's it? Oh, um, from knowing the concept. Uh, I want to say adaptation, knowing how to adapt to the body. But I guess we'll probably discuss that today. So it's not really that... Uh, providing a lot of wisdom is it um i guess when it comes do you have like business people on the on the podcast do you have so i think um when it comes to creating content and like doing a business um which is something i've always strived towards having like giving people information like giving people all the information that they they need and that they can sort out themselves and the the concept of like, oh, I'll teach you half of it and you can learn the second half if you purchase my product or something like that is really salesy, really cheesy. So if a lot of people learned how to just deliver content in a genuine way and deliver the whole content, because people are going to find it elsewhere. The, the, the internet's like massive. They're going to find the answers eventually. But if you give everyone everything, then when they do require additional answers you're going to be their go-to person to um to ask they're going to be the first person you think you're the first person they think of when they want additional information or answers or something so um if someone is a content creator or a business owner um one thing i really hold true and what's really helped me is just to be authentic and just tell everyone everything you know and then you'll be their first go-to person so that's, How's that? That's wonderful. I love that. That's really great advice. That's totally, totally true. That's totally true. Yeah, that's that's well done. That's the first that's the first answer like that that I've gotten. Uh, that was great, cool. Cody. Yeah, that's yep. cool. Well, this has been great. Um I I have an I have a new respect and I do have a I do have an, a a fresh perspective on hmm. how to run correctly, how to run smarter. And uh, I think my time will come. I mean, anything to get yeah. me out of, anything to get me out of the house at this time. Uh, I have a lot of people that start running in like their fifties, sixties, yeah. and maybe you're in in that um, little category. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, twenty years from now, I'm just gonna pick it up and I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll hit you up when when I do. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, I'll still awesome. be doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, Brody, I really appreciate you, and thanks you uh, thanks for uh, joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks, Sean. Had a lot of fun. And scene. Excellent. This episode of the OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% all-natural open-source supplements. These are my favorite of all time. These are my favorite vitamins. I take a ton of stuff, and Natural Stacks just continues to deliver. One of their most popular lines of all time is called serotonin brain food. You know, you have four neurotransmitters. You have dopamine, serotonin, acetylcholine, and GABA. And if you are having a hard time uh, feeling good, feeling happy, feeling optimistic, it might just be time to supplement with some serotonin brain food. The reviews are insane. Uh, it's really, really popular. And it helps in the afternoon, especially if you're not kind of feeling feeling like yourself, if you're not feeling um, optimistic. There's a bunch of other uh, supplements that I really love, including MagTech um, and They've got these amazing CBD gummies that they're out with, but for now, I think for people who just need a little bit of a 
little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy, a little bit of sunshine in their life, you should go to naturalstacks.com and check out Serotonin Brain Food and use the code OPP15 for 15% off your trial. Um, you should check it out. Honestly, it's it's one of my most one of my most favorite sort of mood enhancing supplements, and uh, it's a good reason why. Check it out. Okay, everybody, I'll see you on the internet.